WBUR Podcasts, Boston. The universe has good news for the lost, lonely, and heartsick. The sugars are here, speaking straight into your ears. I'm Steve Allman. I'm Cheryl Strayed. This is Dear Sugars. Hi, Steve. Hi, Cheryl. So we're kind of doing one of my favorite kinds of episodes today, and that is an episode that is in its own right about something, but it's also in response to a previous episode we did. Yes. This is, it's the episodes I think of as, the listeners are now all angry at us. <laughs> well, not exactly, but maybe the listeners are saying, hey, I'm over here. You talked about this issue, and I'm grateful for that, right. but you missed one part of it. Right. And, of course, we, we always miss one part of it. We can't get everything in every episode. So l- listeners might remember, last season we did a two-part series on sexless relationships, or at least relationships where there was a sense of the relationship being starved of sex. We had Esther Perel on both parts one and two, and she helped us answer two letters. Both of the letters were by people who felt like they wanted more sex than their partner wanted. Yes, they were the sex-starved, and of course, the question is, how does it feel to be the sex-pressured? The sex-hounded, the the person who's saying, whoa, you want it more than I do, and I don't maybe, in some cases, want it at all. That's right, that's right. Uh, We got this piece of listener criticism I was struck by the description of the husband in one of the letters you discussed, who was uninterested in sex. Many of his behaviors reminded me of my own when I was trying very hard to be normal. You can understand why it was so disappointing for me to hear everyone discussing how these are hang-ups, selfishness, or an unwillingness to compromise on his part. The reality is that up to 1% of the population, equal to the city of Chicago for scale, is asexual like me and perhaps Like him, we do not choose to be so any more than the letter writer chose her sexuality. I think it's also important to emphasize the idea of a compromise in this case is especially sensitive. For me, sex is like folding laundry. I can do it for someone I love, but view it as an expression of love at best and occasionally a troublesome chore that I have to act through. For others, any and all sex is repulsive and asking them to compromise is a dangerous slide away from healthy and consensual sex." I do agree with 99% of what you both said in both this case and others, and I recognize that this particular episode is geared toward a specific allosexual problem. With that being said, I hope you consider some of what I mentioned above. Sex is not a necessity in a happy and harmonious relationship, and insisting that it is creates a new set of obstacles for people such as myself, as well as people who experience sexual dysfunction, those who are unable to have sex for other medical reasons, etc., Thanks for taking the time to read my thoughts, and that's signed from Ace of Hearts. I have to say, I agree with some of these criticisms, this notion that we really haven't 
talked about asexuality on the show. I, I do think it's something worth exploring in another episode, really, down the line, because I think it's something that a lot of people don't know much about. Many of us do say, okay, our sexual desires are a very primal part of us. Everyone has them. Right. And, you know, thank you for the education. I think it's true uh, that one of the reasons I do this podcast is to learn. That's right. And and I, it is something I haven't thought about a lot. Now, I will say in our defense, you know, I think that what you know is we were talking about relationships in which sex was part of it. You know, that at the at least the outset of the relationship, both members of the couple were sexually engaged in sexual activity uh, happily and willingly with each other. And it was more like that over time, that fell to the wayside. But I appreciate, you know, I appreciate that perspective. And so I just want to say that those of you out there who are asexual, uh, thank you for telling us about this. That's right. Everybody has a right to their particular sexuality, but you also, I think, if you want to be in a happy relationship, have a responsibility to be honest about your sexuality and to find someone who can accept and embrace yours. Yeah, there is no standard. There is no, for example, number of times per week you should be having sex with your partner. And therefore, that means it's a great relationship. Right. And, you know, so for some couples, that is honestly, and I and I say this, you know, seriously, some couples would be very happy to have sex, you know, twice a year. Right. And they connect in other ways. Some couples, they say, no way, it has to be four times a week or, or we're, we're not happy. That's not a better sexual relationship than the one where they very seldom have sex. Right. Okay? It's like the, the best relationship is the one where you have come together with a partner or if you're, if you're poly with partners and made an agreement that feels great to you, that makes you feel happy and secure and loved and all of the things you want to feel. Right. In a romantic relationship. Right. Now, there is also the dilemma, and we got numerous letters about this. We're going to read uh, one in particular because I think it's a, a quite a striking example of people who really feel uh, pressured around sex uh, in, their, in their relationship. And so we want to take up a letter that's very much from the perspective of somebody who wants to have a happy marriage, who wants to enjoy sex, but who feels really under the gun and pressured about it almost relentlessly. Right. It's another libido mismatch, but mm -hmm. from the opposite perspective. Let me read the letter. Dear Sugars, as I listened to your episodes on sexless marriage, I found myself full of hot anger and resentment, especially at the end of the second episode, when the advice about keeping relationships from becoming sexless encouraged partners to, quote, just do it. And while they were at it, to find the energy to make it inventively erotic— my upset, of course, was a reaction to issues in my own relationship, which is the exact opposite end of the conjugal spectrum. Simply put, sugars, my partner wants too much sex. Before you think, there's no such thing as too much sex, I hope you'll hear me out. First of all, I love having sex with my partner. We've been together for 12 years, and we're in our late 40s, so our bodies are beginning to ache for mysterious reasons and sag for obvious ones. But our sex is better than ever. We know what turns the other on, which makes everyday sex easy and enjoyable. We also communicate well about things we'd like to try, which makes special occasion sex fantastic. I often think of him or see him across a room and want to take him straight to bed. But here's the problem. He would like to have sex twice a day, every day. He realizes intellectually that this is an unrealistic expectation, given the fact that we have two children, both work, and are sometimes not in the same city at the same time. 
but it is his authentic physical desire, and anything less feels like a compromise to him. We have sex on average 10 to 12 times a month, but if we go four days without sex, my partner gets cranky. If we go six days without sex, my partner starts to criticize me for random things, roll his eyes while I'm talking. He stops eating food I've made for dinner and asks for updates on our schedule and bills and sighs heavily about the way I'm handling them. If we go eight days without sex, all hell breaks loose in our house. He picks fights and often says, you're really lucky I'm not the kind of guy who would have an affair. He brings up things that I did wrong five years ago and berates me about them all over again. He seeks it constantly. Every night. Every night. When we get in bed, he rubs my back to see if he can arouse me. If I text him during the day to tell him I'm thinking of him, he assumes it means we will have sex later, and he's angry if we don't. There's a constant hope for sex that runs through our house like a frantic dog that wants me to play ball. This is a lot of pressure. We've talked about this pattern both in and out of couples therapy, and his explanation is that sex is the only way he can experience love and appreciation. Though he recognizes my contributions to our relationship, none of them really make him feel loved or connected to me. None make him feel safe. He's attentive to the things I need to feel safe and connected to him. He has worked hard to become a good listener and has succeeded. He compliments me. He tells me what he finds special about me. This attention has made our consistent sex life possible. I feel seen, heard, and sexy. But only as long as we have sex every four days. When sex is delayed, even by sickness, travel, or the children's needs, he withdraws his approval. In the beginning of our relationship, I made an effort to have sex with him more often, both in order to make him happy and to manage his mood. If I wanted something, I'd have sex with him before I asked for it. If he was angry with me, I'd have sex with him to make the argument go away. This was not healthy for either of us, and I stopped those tactics many years ago. Now I have sex only when I want to, and I'm clear with him when I don't. But after 12 years, I'm getting tired of the fact that there is only one key to our family happiness, and I hold it. I'm realizing that I assumed a couple of things would happen as we got older, that his sexual desire would decrease naturally, and that as he reached the professional goals he has set for himself, he would feel more secure in the world. Neither has happened. Because his sexual desire is not based on physical arousal, but on a need for mood regulation and emotional connection, I'm not sure it will ever wane. Steve, your comment that we are all entitled to the sex we want and need, even to the point that we have the right to look for it outside our monogamous relationship, hit me hard. I saw clearly that my partner feels entitled to punish me when he doesn't get sex as often as he wants. I don't think that's fair especially when he wants it so often. Do you have any advice on untangling this bizarre power dynamic in which my partner has given me all the power for his happiness and therefore feels entitled to disrupt mine? Is there such a thing as wanting too much sex? Please, will you dive into this end of the spectrum? Signed, Enough is Enough. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Cheryl, you know, you know I'm itching to respond to this beautiful, thoughtful, pained letter. Mm -hmm. But we need to do a quick break, and then we'll come right back. Hi, listeners. We're trying something new this season. We're opening up a hotline so you can leave us voicemails with your questions. Later in the season, we might use your questions in your own voice on the show— 
Don't worry, we'll keep you anonymous, but do be aware that anyone who can recognize your voice probably will. To leave a message, call our hotline at 929-399-8477. That's 929-399-8477. We hope to hear from you. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. back and we are responding to a really beautiful, thoughtful letter from Enough is Enough. Um, And, you know, she's taking issue, I think reasonably, uh, with some of the counsel we offered in our episodes with Esther Perel about sexless relationships. Uh, And Cheryl, you know, this is a complicated letter uh, and it sounds like a complicated marriage. There's a lot of joy and a lot of communication in this letter. As I was reading it, I was thinking, wow, they they're in their late 40s. They're both working, uh, and, and yet they're able to communicate about the things they'd like to try. And so special occasion sex is fantastic. Um, and, uh, you know, I, she feels desire for him. So many of the things that we hear as problematic in other sorts of relationships where sex and intimacy is at issue really seem to be um, in pretty good working order in this marriage but it is clear, and uh, you've made it very clear, enough is enough, that there is too much sexual pressure in this relationship um, and that it is disrupting your happiness and disrupting your husband's happiness. There's no question about that. It is that that constant hope for sex. And by the way, you're just a terrific writer. This is a, an amazing metaphor. Uh, a constant hope for sex that runs through a house like a frantic dog that wants me to play ball. And I think you put it even more sort of precisely and painfully when you talk about, I am responsible for his happiness, and there is only one path to his happiness, and it runs through sex. Right. Um, You know, I think we're in accord on that, Cheryl, right? There's no question there that is imbalanced. Absolutely. And, you know, I think imbalanced in in very similar ways, actually, to what we were talking about with 
the sexless relationships episode. I mean, we never even then advocated, well, you know, this is what this one person wants. So you just better agree. And I I think enough is enough. I have very similar advice for you that you you get to also say, no, this isn't fair to me. I don't want to live in a relationship where I'm feeling pressured all the time. And also, and I think more painfully, that the only way we can be intimate is sexual. And one thing we talked a lot about on that sexist relationship episode is this idea of the erotic and romantic connection between a couple, not really just being about the sex act. And I think that, you know, the people who are saying, I want more sex in my life, we're saying, I want more of that connection. But I think that is true for you too. That it sounds to me... Like, you want to have an intimacy with your husband, and what you're frustrated about is the only way he can be intimate is through sex. And, you know, that's not okay. You know, you get to have your voice heard when you say, A, I don't want to do it as much as you, and you need to listen to me about that. And B, the only way we can make this work over time is if you find other ways that you can communicate with me. Uh, that you know are non-sexual, but still intimate, still romantic, still loving. That's right. You're realizing that he's looking to sex for all sorts of things, all of which are reasonable if they're kind of in balance, but it's almost sounding more like a compulsion, that unless he has sex, he doesn't feel like he's loved. He wants it because it's, there's something else he's trying to communicate, and it becomes a power struggle. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe there's a sexual desire component, but there's also a power, do you love me? It's a loyalty test. But you guys do have a healthy sex life. You make time and space for it. You know, it's 10 to 12 times a month. And not only that, it's considerate and creative, and you're devoting time and energy and attention to it. And that feels to me quite positive. I don't think they have a healthy sex life. I think that they get turned on and enjoy sex when they have it. Okay. But this doesn't read to me like a woman who feels like she's got a healthy sexual connection with her partner. Um, What she's saying to, to us is, yeah, we do it a bunch. And when we do it, you know, I get into it and I find him attractive, but I'm pressured. I have to make darn sure that if I ever express any affection, really even to just say, I'm thinking of you, right. I better be ready to kind of back that up with, uh, you know, having sex with him as soon as he gets home or certainly that night. I feel manipulated. I mean, th- look at just the math. She's actually counting the days. She's counting the number of times they have sex a month. She's counting how many days uh, they go without sex. And boy, if they go without sex this many days, she's going to be punished. Yeah. And she knows it. Yeah. And punished in really kind of mean ways. You know, she's he, she's got her husband who's actually s- sort of threatening an affair if she, if she goes a week without having sex with him. I, I don't think that's healthy. That isn't to say that you can't save this relationship and that you can't find uh, that balance um, sometime in your sex life and in your relationship with your husband. You know, one one of the things that interests me enough is enough about this letter, you, you mentioned couples therapy. You say, we've talked about this pattern both in and out of couples therapy. So it sounds like the two of you at least you know, have together acknowledged that you're not happy with this pattern. But what's interesting to me about that is you seem to have stopped there. So you're in the couples therapy office and he says, okay, this is the only way I can experience love. You know, that's not enough. 
Right. It's like an addict saying, well, the only way I can experience, you know, pleasure is when I'm high on drugs. Well, right. that's not the answer. Right. That's the that's a problem. That's the problem. Okay. Yeah. So where do you go from there? And that's where I think you really need to begin. You know, like together, you need to find a way that he can expand his love language, that he can find a way to feel loved and appreciated outside of the bedroom outside of that sex act. Right. You know, you're you're still game right now. You're still engaged. But, you know, you you sound to me like somebody who's really being kind of bullied. Yeah. You know, and you know, I I think it's wonderful that you've drawn the line now. You used to use sex to to essentially, you right. know, keep him happy and now you're saying I'm not going to do that anymore. I'll only have sex with him when I want to. Right. But I think I think there's more to that story. I think you are uh, probably sometimes having sex when you don't really want to because you're afraid he's going to have a, a temper tantrum. Right. And, and, and that's not right. And so, you know, there's no question that the deep work that needs to go on here is not about numbers. It's about the compromises that you can make for each other because you love and respect each other as partners in this union that is not just built on sex, that is right. built on friendship and understanding and a desire for each of you to have your needs fulfilled. And, you know, we talked a lot about sexual need on the first part of this, this subject. But I will say that other kind of need is, is the right to be who you are. Right. You know, just like those a, the, the letters from the people who identify as asexual, you have every right to be that. You have every right to say, I want a period of celibacy in our relationship. You have every right to say, I want to have sex once a week. That's what would make me happy. And you have every right to say, I can't, I can't do that for you. If you really need to have sex twice a day, every day, we probably need to part ways. Yeah. You know, enough is enough. Your comment to, to me specifically about, uh, you know, my saying that we're all entitled to the sex we want and need, even to the point that we have the right to look for it outside our monogamous relationship. Uh, if I did use that language, I think it was the wrong language. I think it was imprecise and in this case, maybe maybe hurtful. I think we all have uh, a, a right and an obligation to be honest about our sexuality and to try to work to find a partner who will accept and embrace our sexuality. That is very different, as you rightfully point out, from being entitled to. And I think you're picking up on your husband's feeling that he is entitled to a certain number of sex acts per week, per day, whatever it is. Uh, the truth of the matter is that is not an entitlement that is granted in marriage or any monogamous relationship. It is an ongoing negotiation in which all you can do is be as rock bottom honest about what your needs and desires are. And in the case of this marriage, what the underlying issues are that sex is representing. You know, marriage is a contract and a monogamous relationship, any long-term romantic relationship is a contract. But the truth is both of you, if it is not working for you, and especially if it's causing you anguish, are free to either negotiate different terms or find somebody else who can meet that contract that, that you need. Right. And that is, you know, just on the practical level. I think you need to really go back to that couples th therapy if you have dropped it. Go back to that counseling where you're in that forum where you can speak honestly to each other. And maybe, you know, he can go on a journey of his own in exploring why it is that his abilities to be intimate with you are so limited to, to the sex act. Right. Because it's unsustainable. Enough is enough. I felt so sad reading your letter, I have to tell you. Yeah. I think that it must be an incredibly difficult 
position you're in, to live always under that sense of pressure. And what it does to you as well is it takes away your ability to think clearly about what your desire is. Because, of course, your desire is obliterated by his, by by your sense of obligation to his needs. And that is absolutely not okay. It's not fair. And so I really encourage you to take this seriously. And I hope you and your husband can really start the hard work of building something better. Dear Sugars is produced by the New York Times in partnership with WBUR. Our producer is Alexandra Lee Young. Our editor and managing producer is Larissa Anderson. Our executive producer is Lisa Tobin. And our editorial director is Samantha Hennig. We recorded this show at Argo Studios in New York City with Paul Ruest. Our mix engineer is Josh Rogeson. Our theme song is by Liz Weiss. And our other music is by the Portland band Wonderly. Find us at nytimes.com slash dearsugars, and please send us your letters at dearsugars at nytimes.com. That's dearsugars, plural, at nytimes.com. And if you want to read the column every week, we answer an additional letter on the topic that we've discussed on the podcast. You can find that at nytimes.com slash the sweet spot. That's on Tuesdays and on Thursdays in the style section. <laughs>